Welcome to the Domestic Draft Podcast. I'm Evan Bierman here with Dan Slowick. Dan, you came in this weekend. We got to do our fantasy draft. It was so good to see you. We played some golf, had a lot of fun. Did you have a good time in Chicago? Great time in Chicago. We got to go to Bulls Fest as well. Check out kind of things that were going out over by the UC. Uh, yeah, got to see some family, got to do the fantasy draft. Always a good time to be back home in Chicago. Yeah. We, uh, we posted some pictures too. If you haven't seen uh, Bulls Fest, check it out on our Twitter. But uh, Dan, what are you drinking today? I have a Society Brewing Company. I've done them here on the show before. Society's S-O-C-I-E-T-E. Um, and it's their Fest beer. So I thought with you know Oktoberfest coming up here at the end of the month, uh, why not? It's kind of just screamed at me off the shelf uh, to get a Fest beer and uh, you know for the time of Oktoberfest. And a little bit about Society. I've done them before. Um, a little bit about them, right? They were founded in 2012 in San Diego um, with the idea that beer is the greatest social uniter, right? So that mindset inspired their name, society. Um, and they used to only directly kind of distribute to drafts. They wouldn't do canning. They wouldn't do anything in store. Um, they uh, strictly do drafts to restaurants and things like this to, to their tap rooms and et cetera. They changed uh, around COVID and started doing some canning. Um, and it was founded by two friends, uh, alumni of the University of Arizona. It was founded by Doug Constantiner and the brewmaster, Travis Smith, who worked at a brewery together in Orange County. And then they started up Society in 2012. And over their seven-year tenure together, they won gold medals at you know the 2018 World Beer Cup and the 2018 Great American Beer Festival. I read recently, I think their brewmaster stepped away in 2019. And I'm seeing a lot more cans on the shelf. So I think they're going to start distributing a lot more. Um, the Fest beer, it's got a 3.8 on tap. It's 4.6. Um, it's inspired by the beers in Munich, crisp, clean, floral, mineral notes, plus a touch of lemony citrus zest. I think Oktoberfest on my bucket list. How about you? Yeah, definitely would love to be there. Um, that does look like a nice malty dark beer. Yeah, it looks, yeah, looks it's, it's pretty solid. Not bad at all. What do you got, man? So I'm doing Toppling Goliath Brewing Company today. They're out of Decorah, Iowa. Uh, Clark and Barbara Louie founded Toppling Goliath back in 2009 after a runaway success in home brewing. In less than a decade, they've become world-renowned for IPAs and barrel-aged stouts. They now distribute in 30 states and create more than 40 beers that rotate throughout the year. They were recently named the 2021 U.S. Beer Open Grand National Champions as well. So the beer I have here is called King Sioux. See the little dinosaur on there? It's a 7.8%, 4.32 on untapped, so great untapped score. And it comes in at a whopping 100 IBUs. It's a hazy double IPA, citra hopped with a juicy combination of mango, orange, and pineapple. And it actually has an interesting tie to Chicago because back in 2016, there was an alleged trademark disagreement with the Field Museum over the name Sue being used with a T-Rex on the can. Uh -huh. So rather than having a legal battle, they talked it out. Toppling Goliath and the Field Museum decided to partner up. And you'll see now on the cans, they have a little um, Field Museum logo on there. That's so they the partnered up be. and yeah, Good they promote the field museum field, field museum sells the beer in cans and on tap too. So I thought that was really cool. And that, that brings us to the King Chuck Swirsky. He's at CTS bulls on Twitter. He's the play-by-play -play voice of your Chicago bulls. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us, man. Hey, my pleasure, Evan and Dan. Thank you. Go bulls. Yeah. Go bulls. So you're born in Virginia. We did some digging on you. How did you yep. find your way to Chicago and get started in sports media? Well, I mean, uh, from Virginia, our family moved to Seattle when I was a little boy. And then I went to school in the Midwest at Ohio U, went back home to Seattle after graduation, 
got a job in Columbus, Ohio, recruited by a headhunter to come to Chicago and was here for 15 years and then took a job to do play-by-play at the University of Michigan, Go Blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, from Michigan, I did the Raptors for 10 years with uh, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Chris Bosch. I mean, it was a fantastic run. And yeah. then with the Bulls uh, from Derrick Rose rookie year in 2008. Man, you've been fortunate to cover some some amazing players. Um I'm curious, did you have, did you always want to be in broadcast? Did you have some idols? And then also, did you have the natural voice for it? Is it something that you had to work at? Well, I mean, you have to work at everything. You know what, Dan, Nevin, nothing comes. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Let, let's be honest. You got to work for everything. And the moment you think you've got it made, I'll tell you what, it's going to slap you right in the face as far as like a, almost like a cold shower. It's going to wake you up so much. And so like I'm still enthusiastic about my job. I'm going on my 25th year in the NBA. And so the truth of the matter is that I still have the passion and the enthusiasm and the effort and energy and the prep because I love prep work. So, I mean, when you look at the big picture here, um, you know, I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster at the age of five. And, um, you know, here I am, but I take nothing, nothing for granted, nothing. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What a story. Um, I'm curious, you know, piece of advice you'd give to someone trying to break into sports media or somebody who wants to be the next Chuck Swirsky. What, uh, what would be, you know, your, your pitch to them? Well, my pitch is not to be Chuck Swirsky. My pitch would be (laughs) Evan and Dan to be you, just you. Evan is Evan, Dan is Dan. And Mm -hmm. I think that's good enough. Now, what you have to do is develop a skill set. As far as the voice is concerned, you can go to a speech pathologist. You can go to voice training. You can do all those things. But at the end of the day, um, I think that you know, you've got to be confident in your skill set. And that's not to say that you should be satisfied. Because the day you're satisfied, you might as well pick up the bat and ball and go home. Right. It's almost yeah. like, like a you know, a rookie and he starts off and he's scoring 15 to 20 a night. He's probably thinking to himself and all of his friends are saying, man, I told you, you just chew up the NBA. You're getting it done. And then what mm-hmm. happened? Scouting reports. Yep. And they find out that, you know what, maybe you struggle using that left hand going to the rim or, you know what, you really can't do uh, that, that elbow three as much as you can shoot from the corner. And right. so these people are really smart. Well, the same thing happens in broadcasting. Broadcasting, if you don't bring it every night and if you don't polish your strengths and work on your weaknesses, they're going to find out about you soon. Mm-hmm. That makes me wonder. So you're with the team, right? You're uh, pre-COVID, post-COVID, you travel with them. Uh, you go to the same cities that they go to. What's that like to live like an NBA player schedule to where you're bouncing around in the States and up in Canada? Well, it's a grind, but mm-hmm. I don't mind the grind. I kind of embrace it because everyone says, well, you get into a hotel at 1.32 a.m. in the morning, you got to call the game, you know, in a matter of hours. So what? Yeah. I mean, you know what? <laughs> I Listen, there are a lot of people working hard labor jobs. There are people right now that are barely making ends meet. You've got men and women at home raising a family. Mm -hmm. To me, that's pressure. Pressure isn't, 
you know, living on a charter flight, staying in a five-star hotel and watching the greatest athletes in the world. I'm very blessed. So I will never, ever complain about my job ever. I love it. Yeah. You were like the most positive person too. I mean, just seeing you out there and the dance, I got to ask you about the dance. What's the origin of the Chuck Swirsky dance? And like, where did you learn how to dance? Is that just all, you know, improv or? Well, I see you guys smiling. So Evan and Dan here, here's what happened. So two years ago, as you know, we're in COVID Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like we didn't travel. And so all of our road broadcasts were actually um, from the United Center in the basement of the United Center, just around the corner from the locker rooms. Uh, I mean, the Blackhawks would be playing and we would be doing a Bulls game just, you know, near the rink. Uh, And our engineer, Rich Wyatt, who does a magnificent job. One day, like the Bulls won a game that like, you know, we beat a really good team and we were really struggling. If you remember that year, uh, Mm -hmm. this is like the 2021 (laughs) season where like, you know, they were going through, I mean, Arturis and Mark were just trying to find out who's an NBA player. Okay. And so we won a game and I was extremely ecstatic. So after the game, I started doing a little dance and our engineer, Rich Wyatt caught it on video and he posted it. And the next thing I know, there are thousands of people that are watching it. So it went viral and I just stayed with it. So that's the truth. Wow. Yeah. Really organic. I love it. Yeah. And that just speaks to your advice, you know, be yourself and uh, for it to go viral, it just speaks to how much, you know, admiration people have for you. And and they love that you're covering our team. Um, Besides Chicago and Toronto, the two cities that you worked in, where's the best place to go visit a game? Uh, The best place to visit. Wow. Well, I mean, if you, if you really want to, I know this is boring, Dan and Evan, but if you really look at the big picture, there's something in every city we visit. Now, obviously, in major markets, there's a lot more to do um, than in smaller markets, but there's something to be said for smaller markets because, you know, we usually stay, you know, downtown. Very few times do we stay in a suburb. And so my routine, actually, unless we have an off day, the mm. truth of the matter is, I'll, I'll give you, I'll paint the picture for you. Let's yeah. say we're playing uh, the Washington Wizards on mm. Wednesday night, and it's the start of a road trip or just a, a one and done. In other words, we play at Washington, come back to Chicago. So we will leave Tuesday afternoon for Washington, D.C., usually in mid-afternoon. By the time we get into D.C. with the hour change, And by the time you get your luggage and get situated and settled in your hotel room, it's probably around seven o'clock. So you've got two options. You go out with a couple of guys in the traveling party, not players, because we really don't associate with the players. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got their own thing and we've got our own thing. And so we'll either go out for dinner or, um, you know, I'll grab something quick, bring it back to the hotel room and watch league pass and start working on the game. Now, uh, my my best friend on the road, other than my main man, Bill Wennington, is <laughs> league pass. I am like addicted to league pass because I get to look at other games in mm-hmm. out-of-town markets, and it helps me because let's say after the Washington game, we're playing the Spurs. 
well, if the Spurs are playing that night, I'll watch their game. If they're not, I've already done my homework on Washington because I see the team the Bulls are playing their previous three games. Mm -hmm. So I'll start working on San Antonio. And I'll start working on things such as late clock situations, who gets the ball, what Mm -hmm. are they running, Um, who are the Spurs substitution patterns at the eight-minute mark coming off the bench. All these things go into, okay, who's running pick and roll? How are they defending pick and roll? So when I'm doing a Bulls-Spurs game three days later, I know that my prep work, and I'm saying to myself, okay, the clock's at eight. Let's see if, you know, Jakob Pertl is getting yep. the ball. That's the, the same post. name I was going to bring up, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the Spurs are, are killed in Johnson. Right mm-hmm. now, with the Spurs going through a major rebuild, right. I would assume it's going to be Keldon Johnson, especially after DeJounte Murray got traded. Yep. So, I mean, but those are things I look for. And so, because I love surprises, I do. I, I mean, as even a little boy, when my mom would surprise me with something, it like made my day. Well, I love surprises, but I don't like surprises when I'm calling a game right. where all mm-hmm. of a sudden a two-way player comes up from you know their G League team mm-hmm. and I've never heard of them. That will never happen. I guarantee you. Um, and I'm not I'm not boasting or being arrogant, but I I do as much homework on an Exhibit Ten player or a two-way player as I do for Keldon Johnson, for example. Yeah, so it says a because, lot about your work ethic. Yeah, well, well right I mean, you got, you got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you got. I mean, you know, if if you want this badly, you've got to do it. And so, um, you know, like um, for example, the Spurs picked up. Alizé Johnson, who was mm-hmm. with, you know, the, the Bulls. Bulls last year. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I'm doing homework right now on every NBA team. So when he comes into the game, I want to tell people, Hey, he signed a one-year contract, 2.3 million played less than 20 games for the Bulls went from the Bulls ended up going to the wizards, played with the Pelicans, all those things, you know, kind well, of, you're one of the, player. yeah. That's why you're one of the best in the business, you know, and that's, I think that's why Bulls fans tune in every single game. And there's just like, some of them just put that radio dial on and listen to the Chuckster, just, you know, give the information and do all the homework for them and, and have them become just an, as an expert as you are. Uh, but you're doing all the hard work. Uh, you're talking about all the teams in the league. Let's talk about this team this year, the Bulls. Yep. What are the expectations? Is a, the East is a powerhouse this year with all the moves that have been made. Uh, well, yeah. What are you, I mean, your expectations? Bowls. Yeah, you know what, Dan? I mean, the, the, the bottom line is that everything runs in cycles. And mm-hmm. for such you know a good decade plus, the West dominated. And But here's my take. Everyone's saying, well, the East is better than the West. They've got Golden State, so the West must be better. The way I look at it, if you look at a, like the first eight teams in each conference, I'm saying to myself, okay, Golden State, Phoenix, Denver. I mean, these teams, Memphis, Clippers. I mean, they're really, really good. And then I'm looking at the East and I'm saying to myself, okay, where do you want to start? You want to start with Boston? You want to go to Milwaukee? You want to go to Philadelphia? You want to go to Miami? I mean, you could go right down the list. You want to go to Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Because, you know, the Nets may have a chip on their shoulder. 
um, with this whole drama being played out with Durant and Kyrie. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm not sure you could say the East is better than the West or the West is better than the East. Certainly Golden State has proven that they are the cream of the crop. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any doubt about it. And they're mm-hmm. still in their run, which is a tribute to their entire organization. Um, and, you know, they the perfect storm happened because these players who are now in their prime with the clock running, so to speak, but they mm-hmm. gelled and they gelled at the same time. I always compare this to almost like the Yankees of the mid to late 90s when all these guys came up together in the minor league system with Jeter and Rivera and Posada and, you know, Pettit, all these yeah. guys came up and boom, they took off. Golden State took off. So what do you think the additions uh, that, I, I mean, that Goran Dragic, Andre Drummond, Dale and Terry, um, there's a lot of continuity in this team. And you're talking about how a couple of rosters around the league remind you of X, Y, and Z. Does this team remind you of anything with this veteran addition of Dragic and Drummond? Uh, do you see kind of a, a mold that they're going after? Or, or what do you think about the way this roster is made up? Well, I think the Drummond acquisition is good because he's a huge body and he's going to be able to eat quality minutes. It's it's almost like um, a middle reliever because, you know, in baseball now, if you've got a, a guy who can really come in in the seventh and eighth innings for the closer, and Vooch will be the closer. But on nights where Vooch is in foul trouble or Vooch is out, I mean, Andre Drummond is still a really good player in this league. I mean, you know, he has a different skill set than Vooch. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I mean, he is a rebounding machine. If you look at his numbers – Wherever he's been, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's been in Brooklyn, whether it's been in obviously in Detroit, whether it's been in Cleveland, you know, whether it was with the Lakers for a cup of coffee, whatever the case may be, Philadelphia. I mean, he can rebound the ball. So yeah. he's um, true in what so, they wanted Tristan Thompson to do, right? I mean, that's exactly. And, yeah. and I mean, Chris, Tristan was undersized. And, um, but, you know, the, the story with Drummond is he's, I don't even think he's 30 yet. And I mean, you've got the, probably you can look it up right now, but I I don't think he's 30. Was he 28, 29? He came in the league as what, 19 years old out of UConn. So if you want to take a look at it, it maybe, maybe he's 30, 29, 29. Thank you. So the truth of the matter is that Dragic turned it to, so he's a young 29. Thank you. So, I mean, Dragic to me, very crafty player, smart player, been with some great systems whether it was with Phoenix, you know, whether it was, you know, the likes of Miami, where he really blossomed, I think, as a great player. But, you know, we're also looking at, you know, people are saying, well, he's going to be 35 minutes a night. I seriously doubt that. I don't see Dragic at the age of 37 playing 35 minutes a night. How many minutes depends on Billy Donovan. But I think having him in this stable of guards that the Bulls have, will only benefit the ball club. Is he is he going to have to play more, though, because Alonzo's knee? What do you think's going on with, with Lonzo's knee? Do you think we're going to see him I, for at know, least half the season? Know. See, here's the thing. That that story was on ESPN, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not questioning the reporter whatsoever. Jamal Collier is really, really good. But the Bulls haven't released a statement yet on Lonzo. True. Now, I would assume with media day coming up, you know, in a few weeks, that the club will probably make a statement. Um, but at, at this point, 
I'm going into the season saying, okay, we'll find out together. I mean, I'm not going to speculate yeah, on an injury. Right. I've never done that and I never will do that. But all I can say is that I think the Bulls, um, you know, a guy like Io, I think Io has a chance to take the next step. I, I think he has a great work ethic. He's hungry. He wants to get better. And he knows the elements to his game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Caruso, you know, the whole key is this, guys. And you've been around and know sports as well as anybody. If you aren't healthy in mid-April, in any sport, at the end mm-hmm. of regular season, if you want to go far in the playoffs, if if your pitching staff is really, really just injury riddled, yep. or in hockey, if your top centerman or your best defenseman or a couple of players are out, you're you're not going to win. At the end of the day, you get the greatest coach in the world, but if you don't have players, chances are you're not going to win. You may be able to steal a series, but overall, you're not going to win. That's why Golden State, the year Toronto won it, with all due respect to Toronto, and I'm glad the Raptors won it, but had, had, you know, Durant not been injured, and then, of course, Clay Thompson went down, but you put a healthy uh, Durant and a healthy Thompson on the floor, you know, who wins that series? Exactly. I don't you know, I don't know. We'll never know. But I'm saying is you've got to be healthy. Yeah. And then that just brings me into one of our last questions here. And it's about Patrick Williams. I think that the, the fans love him, but they just want to see him play a full season. Uh, we're seeing the updates. He's working late, doing all the right things. I think when you were talking about IO, I see a lot of that. In Pat as well, just does everything the right way, wants to be an all-star, wants to be great. Um, how, how is that kid around the organization? Is he Is he warming up? He looks very quiet. Um, he looks like he maybe needs to be a little more vocal, um, but I don't, I don't know. I think that the Bulls fans are, have a big question mark on him. Well, uh, I, listen, uh, number one, he's very well respected as a person and as a player within the walls of the United Center and the advocate training. People love him. He's a polite young man, very respectful, and really a quality human being, first and foremost. The, the issue with, with Patrick as we go into the season, as you mentioned, is health. And then he's got to take the next step. You know, he's, he hasn't played a lot of ball, you know, since he was drafted because of injury. Um, and, you know, with the COVID that the Bulls weren't in the bubble. But, you know, he's got uh, the athleticism. He's got the ability, really, to be a game changer. And so uh, now it's not just on him but it's on players surrounding him and him being a a piece of the puzzle to say, okay, you know what? I belong here. I know I belong here. They know I belong here. Now it's a matter of getting it done on the floor. Right. I love it. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us and giving us, you know, all of your insight into this team and, you know, from your lengthy career and, uh, you know, somebody who's a hall of famer in uh, multiple uh, aspects. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, this is Chuck Swirsky at CTS Bulls on Twitter. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, Dan, Evan, thank you. Thanks so much, Chuck. All right. And thanks again to Chuck Swirsky for coming on. Um, some things about Chuck that we forgot to mention. He is a Chicago Land Sports Hall of Famer. He's also in the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame and also a part of the WGN Walk of Fame. Uh, so thanks again for Chuck for coming on. You got a would you rather for us? Uh, would you rather attend Oktoberfest, going back to the beer, or okay. would you rather attend 
the running of the bulls in Spain, I believe. Do I have to actually run with the bulls? No, you can go and be a spectator and just be like in the, you know, the environment and see that craziness happen. Yeah. I don't care. I was going with Oktoberfest either way. I was just watching. <laughs> mm. okay. Oktoberfest just that's like top of the list for me. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I think that would be fantastic. I don't know if it's top of the list. I'd definitely do it. Uh, I was looking up some like interesting facts about it as well. Uh, like when it started, things like that. And then one of the interesting facts of it was like in 2016, Adidas made a vomit proof sneaker for people going to uh, Oktoberfest. I was like, that's what? the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That's awesome. So, yeah, this guy's trying to rip the fast fact from me over there. Yeah. Is that, was that what it is? What's your fast fact? No, I do have one though. Do you know what IBU stands for? So I said at the top of the show that King Sue was 100 IBUs. IBUs is... Found like beer uh, menus some, everywhere. Does anyone know what it means? Barrels a unit. It's international bitterness units. International bitterness units. Okay. Yeah, they're the internationally agreed upon standard for measuring bitterness in beer. So uh, beers can range from one to about a hundred IBUs. So King Sue's at the top of the range there. Um, so but like American, the most ma- bitter beer of all time, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, American mass market lagers typically in the IBU range of five to ten. Bavarian Hefeweizens eight to twelve. Amber lagers twenty to twenty-five. American pale ales thirty-five to forty. Uh, IPAs fifty-five to seventy. Double IPAs and barley wines sixty-five to hundred. So this is at like the top of the scale, and it's okay. really good. I mean. Little little bit of fruit in there balances it out. So yeah. this is a fantastic beer. It's a good brewery. I think Pseudo Sue. I, I don't think I've had the T-Rex one that you have, but I really enjoy Pseudo Sue. Yeah, Pseudo Sue is great too. But that's been our show. Thanks again to Chuck Swirsky for joining us today for Dan Slook. I'm Evan Beerman. You've been listening to the Domestic Draft Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to rate the show. You can find us on Twitter at Domestic Draft, on Instagram at Domestic Draft Podcast. Our website is DomesticDraft.com and you can watch the show on YouTube. Just search up Domestic Draft and drop us a sub. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Who it is?